uh, in quite a few verses. Uh, hopefully you grab one of the prayer bulletins that has a copy of the outline in it. And we're going to continue tonight. And we're kind of in the beginning of the book of Daniel is where we're, where we're at in the Bible. And like I said, I've got a lot of supporting verses. <clears throat> I, I've been sharing uh, as we go through this series that really is just kind of uh, the Lord just kind of leading me along in, in what he would have for us in this series. But uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I love the truth. I just love hearing the truth. I love what the truth does for people. That Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You think about what Jesus said when he was on this earth. He said, if I would be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself, the word of God says. Well, Sunday, uh, as I preached the truth uh, about an individual who we know as Saul of Tarsus, and I talked about uh, Saul in his early life, and I talked about how that the Bible records that God brought two men into his life, one by the name of Ananias and one by the name of Barnabas, how that God used them, and of course, in love, they shared the truth with Paul, who was Saul at the time. And of course, you know, Saul knew enough. He, he knew more of the word of God than many, even of the disciples did. But the problem is he was on the wrong side. And when, when Saul got saved, uh, on the road to Damascus, his life was changed forever, but uh, it was all the result of the truth. And I'm going to tell you something, that's what makes the difference in all of our lives is the truth. Now tonight, we're going to go historically, as we've been uh, going through this clarion call, a clear call about how today so many are just throwing the truth away, they're, they're discarding the truth, they're not holding up the truth. Uh, they're not sharing the truth. I mentioned uh, the other day that Saturday, last Saturday, while we were going door to door, that there were people on the other side of the street from another religion of the world, and they were sharing things that I know for a fact, because I've studied, I know what they believe, and what they are sharing with people is not the truth. And it's just sad when you see that. Uh, I told uh, Brother Kenny, he was, we just happened to be together this Saturday, and I told him, I said, I said, I know this sounds strange. I said, but I, I am not going to go uh, up to those houses that they just knocked. I said, I'd rather come back on another Saturday because I don't want to frustrate people. And I, I don't want there to be any confusion uh, in, the, in the hearts of those people and in their minds. But it's, it, this matter of the truth is so important. And, and so we're going to go back tonight because I want to, uh, I, I entitled the lesson tonight, Are We Through with God? Now, you look at the world today, you look at all that's going on, and, and certainly, listen, folks, I hope that as Christians, you're discerning enough to know that you cannot believe, how should I put this? There's not much you can believe that the media shares on TV. If that's your source of truth, then you're in deep water. Uh, so little truth is given out. I'm gonna share something in my message on Sunday morning that the story ran and ran and ran on the news. But what I'm gonna share with you was a part of that overall uh, trial but the media never posted what I'm going to share with you on Sunday. 
And I'm going to tell you something, it's going to excite you when you see. Now, some of you may already know, I'm not going to share it because I'm not, I'm not going to give out that information. You have to come Sunday. That's my tickler, all right? But, but here's the thing is the truth is so important. And, and a lot of times we look at all that's going on in the world and we think to ourselves, is God through with us? You know, with all that's going on, the shape that the world's in. And, and I was thinking about this and it's just kind of strange how the, I wanted to start tonight. But, uh, you know, you think about so many things and I meant to bring mine in here, but so many things have evolved uh, in this world we live in today. One of them that I think is so amazing is, is the telephone. The telephone, some of you that are older than I am, I mean, it's just amazing, the telephone. Uh, it, you know, how compact and, 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 and all that your telephone can do. And, and I think about years ago, uh, I'm not this old, but I did catch this part of it. Uh, does anybody in here remember, and we'll date ourselves, but anybody remember what they called the old party line? Some of you remember that? Some of you do remember? My, my uncle, uh, my dad's older brother, he had a house in the town we lived in, and then he had a house down at what was called the Lake of the Ozarks in, uh, in Missouri, Spring, uh, not Springfield, Missouri, Jefferson City, outside of Jefferson City, Missouri. And, uh, and, and because it was down at the lake, and this was back in the 70s, I guess it was, um, they, he had one of those party lines. Now, if you're not familiar, a lot of times you think, party line, woo, you know, well, let's have a party, we got a party line. But what it was, is it was, it was about, you know, anywhere from four, five, six families, seven families or more that had the same phone number. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if two or three other people had your cell phone number? How crazy that would be? So these, this party line was that somebody would call for someone that had that number. Well, the problem is, is there was three, four, five, six families that had that phone number. So all kinds of people would answer. And so they, they would all be on the phone together. And the person that was calling would say, well, this is so-and-so and I'm calling for. And then what was supposed to happen next was everybody the call was not for was supposed to hang up. But the problem is, is that they didn't hang up. They all stayed on the line. They all eavesdropped. They all listened to the conversation. Matter of fact, back then, that was a form of entertainment, you know, was, uh, you know, you didn't have all the things that you have now. And, and it, it, it's just kind of funny how, you know, now today you think about uh, cell phones and, 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 and all the things that you, you know, cell phones today, these talking devices that nowadays they're cameras. Uh, they're, they're video recorders, uh, they're GPSs, uh, you can get on the internet just about anywhere you go. Matter of fact, when, a lot of times if you're like me, we get frustrated now when I can't get on the internet, you know. Uh, I used to travel with college students a lot when, you know, and, you know, when I was out in California, and, and a lot of times you know you see up in the corner of your phone, and even that's starting to change a little bit, where you'd have what they, I always call them bars, you know, and so you'd have, they, they would be from a little bitty one and they get taller and you'd have, you know, and people would say, well, I have, I have two bars, you know, I have four bars, I have 5G, you know, and uh, in all this LT, it means nothing to me. Only thing that matters is, do I have reception? And this one college girl that I was with one day, she was from Canada. Well, they didn't call them bars in Canada. They called them sticks. And she said, she goes, I don't have any sticks. 
on her phone. And I said, well, that means you don't have any reception. And she says, yeah. And she was so sad. But you think about uh, uh, all the, the ways that we're connected to the world. In other words, listen, you know what it's like when you're out of cell range. You know what that means? You no longer have connection. So you know what happens is, is that we get so dependent on those devices, do we not? I mean, listen, we are just, the other day I left here, I left my cell phone on my desk, and I, I almost turned around. I was just going to go to the store. I almost turned around, and I thought, why? I don't need it. You know? You, listen, if there's one thing that we need to depend on, it's the truth. We need God's Word. We need the truth more than we need all this devices. Look, and it's not just technology that's fueling change in our world. The world is changing the way it thinks. Every day, the world changes. The way they think about things. Uh, you know, the God in the Bible, or in other words, the truth, it's not a part of of people's thinking today. Secular humanism has encouraged people to become their own God. That's, that's what they're doing. Become your own God. We worship the earth. We don't worship the eternal one who created everything. We worship, as they say, Mother Earth. We need to worship the creator of this world. Look at the Bible says in, in, in an amazing chapter. I'll make a couple references to it tonight. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So the world, I mean, folks, I, I look at it. I know even in my life, the, the changes that have taken place have accelerated. I mean, they're not changing slowly. Change is accelerating even in my lifetime. Look, I, I guess I am old enough to remember that there were, there, were, there were Sundays when stores and restaurants weren't open. That was in my lifetime. You know, pe people look at Chick-fil-A now and they're like, are you kidding me? They're not open on Sunday? It, it used to be illegal to swear on television. Remember those days? They, they actually were not allowed to show, at one time, bedroom scenes on television. Yeah. We've come a long way, haven't we? Things are accelerating, and they're accelerating away from the truth. The, the, the truth be known, we're, we aren't walking to God, we're walking away from God. Matter of fact, we're not walking away from God, we're running away from God. And when I say we, I'm talking about mankind. This, this world is far from God, and we have to understand this principle, listen to this, that every step we take away from God gets doubled. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Every step we take away from God gets doubled. Look at the verse. Here's the principle. James 4.8. Draw nigh to God, 
Read the rest of the verse. Okay, so let's see if you get the principle here because every step away from God gets doubled. So when you step towards God, what does God do? He steps towards you. But the reverse is true also. In other words, when we move away from God, what happens? God does what? God moves away from us too. Because God is a holy God. So every step we make gets doubled. When we step towards God, God steps towards us. When we step away from God, God steps away from us. So when I, when I look at this, the distance between God and man is not, listen, don't, don't believe this because many times people think this and they'll say this, they'll teach this in our universities. When we are getting away from God, that distance between God and man is not because God loves the world any less. God proved his love on Calvary. But I find that a lot of times people say, well, God loves the world less or God's less concerned. Listen, the reason for the space, the distance between God and man is because of man's rejection of God. That's why. 2 Chronicles 15, look at verse 2, the last part of that verse. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Pretty simple. Our distance from God, it doubles with our every move. And what happens is we are left to wonder how in the world did all this change happen? So let me ask you a question. Is God moving away from man or is man moving away from God? Man's moving away from God. God loves us. You see, we look at our world today, we look at our nation, the United States of America. We look at churches today, we look at people, and we wonder how we will ever find our way back to God. Is it possible? And we question whether revival which a lot of times people think it's a thing of the past. We wonder and question if a revival is even possible. Can this world be saved? And what's your thought on that? Can this world be saved? I believe it can. You know why? Because God is in control. Look at the Bible says as we think about this, because we must not lose hope. Why? Because it, with all this going on and this departure from the truth, we who are saved, we who know the truth, what does God want us to do during this time? He wants us to remain faithful. The Bible says, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, in other words, no matter what's going on in this world, no matter what the news reporters have to say, no matter what they show you or don't show you, he says, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Just stay right there with the truth always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When you look in the Bible, look at Revelation chapter 2, because when you look at verse number 10, what is God doing here? In the book of Revelation, he is predicting that there's going to be trouble. There's going to be testing, yes, but there's also going to be triumph. Look at the verse, fear none of the, those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. But, he says, be thou 
faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. God says, look, I want you to understand, this is a day where we must stay faithful, and we must try. And you say, well, how do we do that, pastor, in these changing times? Well, in the book of Daniel, look at verse number one here, because how many of you do know the book of Daniel well enough to know that Daniel, as well as other Hebrews, were tested in their life? How many of you know that, right? If you're familiar with this little book, especially the beginning of it, their lives were put to the test. And I want you to look at verse number eight. The Bible says this, and these were changing times for Daniel. You say, how can we stay faithful? How can we be triumphant? Well, the Bible says Daniel purposed in his what? In his heart that he would not defile himself. You ever heard that verse where Joshua said, choose you this day whom you, may, who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What is Joshua saying? Hey, times are changing. People are doing things different. People are moving away from God. But guess what? We're just going to stay right here where we've always been. We're just going to keep going to church. We're just going to keep believing the word of God. And Daniel says, look, I, I have purpose. You can take me to a strange land and you can try to change my name and try to give me a different diet, but I am not changing who I am. Why? Because he purposed it in his heart. He says, I'm not budging. Look at the verse. He says, I'm not going to defile myself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Hey, look, they had his life. They could have done whatever they wanted with him. And by the way, they tried. They tested him. His life was put to the test. And when I think about us today, here we are, 2019, the United States of America, the greatest country on the face of the earth, and you think about all the problems that America has, and they can all be traced back to the same thing, is how we as a nation, as a people, have moved away from God. When you move away from God, folks, you're moving away from the truth. That's the problem. You see, our test has come, just as it's, it's come to generations before us. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world will come. So do you get that verse? God says, look, I've allowed these things, these testings, these, these times of testing in, in people's lives of those who have gone on before you. And he says, and they were triumphant. And he says, listen, I want to make sure you understand that. So I've allowed it to be recorded, be written in, in this book called the Bible, so that when you are going through the very same test in your life, that you understand that if you remain true to God, that God will give you the victory in your life, just like he gave those before you. Do you understand that this morning? It's just like the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, that there's a great cloud of witnesses. And they're watching, they're leaning over the banisters of heaven. They're cheering us on while we're running our race. If we keep our eyes on the Lord, which Jesus is the truth. You see, God has a way, when you think about this, and you could study it out yourself, but I really believe God has a way of using devastating change to produce champions. 
Would we be talking about Daniel today if he didn't go through what he went through? And he didn't trust God the way he did when he was being tested? And he stayed with the truth? And he became a champion for God? We wouldn't be talking about him. There's so many others that we could be talking about. Joseph is another one who in the Bible lived during a time of great change, devastating change. And yet he too, like Daniel, stayed steadfast and unmovable. They focused their lives on God instead of the culture that they were thrown into. You see, that they were forced to live in pagan cultures. Do you think that society today, our country today, is a a godly culture or a pagan culture? Totally pagan. So look, don't say, well, listen, they didn't have it like we do. They did. Those weren't the good old days when Daniel was alive in Babylon. Daniel and Joseph, too, went through so many things in our lives, and they, too, were tested to compromise the truth. And it was truth that they had been taught. I mean, you know, I've studied it out best I can tell. Daniel, they they never really, the Bible doesn't record what exactly happened to Daniel's family when they when they 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 were ripped from their homes and they were taken into a foreign heathen land. Now, uh, uh, historically, not biblically, there's a lot of testimony that probably his family was murdered. Probably they were brutalized before they were murdered. Maybe his mother, his sisters might have been raped. I, I don't know. I can't attest to it. I just know that whatever it was, it was vicious. And then after that happened, I mean, can you imagine the shock and, and how, how easily you could become bitter and ha- have have just a heart full of hatred, and and it's about a 500-mile journey from where Daniel grew up to Babylon. They didn't have express transportation like we do now. Can you imagine walking that distance with every step thinking about what they did to your family? What they're maybe going to do with you? Everything you knew in your life is all behind you now. You have no idea where you're going, what your life's going to be like, and you have no control over it. Are you getting the picture? And as Daniel is making this journey, the one thing that he had was what he was taught, and that was the truth. say, how do you know that? Because when you get to the book of Daniel and you read that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, that means that he refused to compromise everything that he believed, everything that was true in his life. But today, so many people are so quick. I'm amazed how many people are turning their back on the truth that they were raised on that they were taught, that they've seen evidence of it. Hey, folks, I stood up there Sunday morning, and certainly I made a mess out of that message, but when I gave the invitation and eight, nine, ten or more hands were raised, that they prayed the prayer and asked the Lord to save them, that wasn't because of me and my stories. That was because of the truth that was shared on Sunday morning. 
I don't take that for granted. When I think about this world we live in, it's no different than the days of Daniel and Joseph. They were, they were used in their day to lead and to deliver the people that they lived in and around. And you might not think of yourself today or tonight as a, as a Daniel. You might not think of yourself as a Joseph or a Danielle or a Josephine. But why couldn't God use you the way God used them? You have family and co-workers and friends that are steeped in a world of lies and untruths. And you and I have something that can help them. And God wants to use us tonight and every day of our lives for the very same purpose he used Daniel and Joseph and others. To help to deliver them. The changes of the 21st century can develop modern day champions just like in the days of Daniel. Where God will use devastating circumstances and changes to bring about champions for his cause. I want you to look at something tonight. I'm going to give you a Bible example right from the pages of the Word of God. And I, listen, I couldn't paint a better picture. Any of you ever seen over the years, it's, it's pretty rare now, but it used to be very popular. Anybody ever see some of the old preachers that used to do chalk drawings? Any, any of you see some of those? There's still a few of them around. I've got a friend that does it. They start with just a, a blank slate and while they're preaching I listen I can barely preach they're preaching and drawing on a thing that's amazing and uh, somehow they do it I don't know exactly how they do it but they do something in advance and then they throw a black light on it and there's actually something that's in the picture it's it's an amazing thing a lot of times when they what they're what they're drawing it, it just it, it just comes it just pops God uses it and, and when I think about our lives, look, as we think about this day we're living in, God wants us to help others to come to know the, the truth that we came to know many, many years ago. God can use us to help people to come to the truth. But look at this Bible example tonight. Three aspects I want you to see, and most of this is Old Testament tonight, but it, it, it launches from the pages of the book of Daniel. And I want you to notice, first of all, a departure from the truth. A departure from the truth. Look at, look at Daniel chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, that In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Now, when you look at that verse there, Jehoiakim, and if you study out historically, this is not uh, a common uh, person that you read about. Jehoiakim, who is this individual? Well, let, let me just stop here for a minute. Let me, let me lay some groundwork tonight dealing with this aspect of the truth. We'll come back around. So remember that name because we're going to come back to who is this person by the name of Jehoiakim as he's identified as the king of Judah. Now, one thing we do know is we study the kings in the Bible. Uh, we come to one of those kings whose name was Manasseh. Now, Manasseh in the Bible reigned in Jerusalem, and the Bible records he reigned for 55 years. Now, what we find out from the Word of God is Manasseh, as a king, turned his back on God. Look what it says there, and I've given you some of these verses 
to help navigate through tonight. 2 Chronicles 32, uh, 33, 2. The Bible says of Manasseh, he did that which was, was, was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. This is talking about Manasseh, who was the king of that particular time, the king in, 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 who reigned for 55 years. Now think about that, for 55 years under his reign, the land slipped more and more into idolatrous worship. Uh, it, it, listen, anytime a country, a nation goes away from God, remember that as we go away from God, what does God do? God goes away from us. So for 55 years, this wicked king is going away from God. Can you imagine the cost to those people of that land? So God, God began to work in, in, his, in his life and in this situation because of his reign and the idolatry that was going on. So God spoke, tried to speak to his people. And, and listen, the same things happen today. When God speaks, what does God want us to do? He wants us to listen. But they did not listen to God. And because they refused to listen to God, what did God do? God allowed them to be attacked by the king of Babylon. Now, as the story continues, that eventually Manasseh begins to uh, see the error of his ways, and because of the chastening of the Lord, what he eventually does is he humbles himself before God. God hears Manasseh's prayer, and God delivers the nation, but listen to this, even though God heard his prayer, he humbled himself, the damage was already done. You see, the heart of the people was already hurt because of what all he allowed. They never did return completely to the Lord. And when Manasseh died, and you see this happening in the Word of God, when Manasseh died, someone was going to take his place. Well, what happened was his son, whose name was Ammon, took over. Now, Ammon only reigned as a king for two years but interesting that like Manasseh, Ammon took the nation farther away from God. Can you imagine that? I mean, as bad as it was in the days of Manasseh, Ammon took it even farther. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles 33, verse 23. The Bible says of Ammon, he humbled not himself before the Lord, as Manasseh, his father, had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. It got so bad that the Bible records historically that Ammon's own servants eventually conspired against him and they killed Ammon. That's how bad it was. The nation was a mess. Leadership twice now had failed and God was being ignored. Comp the truth was being compromised. There was a lot of conflict. Hey, listen, that's what happens. Is that describing America today when you remove the truth? There's, there's compromise, there's conflict, there's chaos. That was what was going on in this day. And so what happens is, is that Ammon is murdered. And so again, someone's going to have to take the throne. Well, Ammon's son was eight years old. Anybody know his name? Josiah. An eight-year-old boy. I've preached uh, over, over the years, I've preached on Josiah. Can you imagine having an eight-year-old president of the United States? 
But this eight-year-old boy who was uh, the next in line took over the throne and he takes over the leadership. And amazingly, what happens is, is Josiah surrounds himself with the right people. Josiah begins to seek after God. He begins to purge the land of the idols. He begins to get rid of all the leaders who were leading people in pagan worship. Josiah begins to notice, hey, listen, the house of God is, is destroyed. It's, it's in ruins. It needs to be restored back to its glory days. And so what does he do? He authorizes this restoration process. And while they're restoring the house of God, does anybody remember what they discovered? Huh? The book of the law. The Bible is what they discovered. Now, they didn't have all 66 books in a nice slimline Bible like I do tonight. But they were, there was a portion of the Word of God there. And so what happens is the scribe brings it to the king. Here's this young king that is, that is trying to do things that are pleasing to God. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 34, 19, it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. What do you do when you hear the Bible? Does the, does the Word of God have that kind of effect? Now, I will tell you this. You know why it doesn't have the same kind of effect on us that it had on Josiah in that day? Because we have two, three, four Bibles. We have the, we have the Word of God every time we come to the house of God. You see, there was a drought in that day of the truth. And all of a sudden, somebody finds the law, and they read it in the ears of the king. The truth had been attacked, and tragedy had resulted. So what does Josiah do? He commands, look at in 2 Chronicles 34, 21. Here's what he says, go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. So what is King Josiah doing? He is calling his nation back to, does anybody know the word? Back to what? Starts with a T, R, there you go, back to the truth. You see, the truth wasn't there. They had gotten away from the truth. Why? Because they had gotten away from God. And so what happens is, is that as this king is directing them back to the truth, revival starts to happen. People start getting right with God. Said Chronicles 34, 33, Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertain to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve even to serve the Lord their God in all, in all his days, they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Isn't that awesome? There's a king who says, you know what? My, my, my father, my grandfather, they were not seeking God. And I saw the devastating effects of what happened when you get away from the truth. And so he says, you know what? We're going to get right with God. And so with all of that in mind now, We've set the stage when you come to Daniel chapter number one, because look back in verse number one again, because it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, 
Now, who was Jehoiakim? He was the son of Josiah. Josiah. He followed the man who brought revival, the man who brought the truth back. Now, you remember the two before, the two family members, the two kings before Josiah. And, you know, watch this. This ought to be something that ought to just grip you tonight. Because so many of us, we look at our our past, we look at what our daddy did, what our grandpa did, and we say, well, I can't do anything. I can't be somebody for God because look what my dad did. Look Look, my dad was an alcoholic many years while I was growing up. I'm not going to let that be an excuse in my life that I've got to live the exact same way my father lived. I love my dad, but I love God more than I love my dad. And Josiah says, look, he says, we've got to get back to God. We've got to get back to the truth. And when I look at this passage here, where the Bible says again, as you come back to chapter number one, verse number one, he says, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Jehoiakim was Josiah's son. Now he had just become king over Judah. But the Bible records that he did not follow in the steps of his father, Josiah. Look what it says, Second Chronicles 36, verse 5 in your notes. Jehoiakim was 20 and 5 years old. Hey, his dad was 8. Here he is. He's, in their economy, a grown man. He was, he was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And look at these words. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Now, I have found this to be true. Just because one generation walks with God, there is no guarantee that the next generation will. You know, I, look, I've prayed for my kids, and I continue to pray for my kids. I pray for my grandkids. I pray for my grandkids' kids. I don't even know who they are. But understand that one generation, we're only one generation away from extinction, folks. If we don't uphold the truth. Now look, my children and my children's children, they may not feel the same way, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to live by the truth whether they decide to or not. See, you've got to understand how important the truth is. And this son of the great revivalist, Josiah, he he got away from God. Look at Proverbs 30, verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Jehoiakim knew better. He knew better than to compromise. Why? Because he knew what his great-grandfather Manasseh, and he knew what his grandfather Ammon had done and how they had rejected God. He grew up in the house of Josiah where there was revival going on. And the Bible says, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So uh, Jehoiakim, look what he does. He leads the nation, how sadly, into a departure. Do you see it tonight? Now watch this. Here's the next step. Right here in the Bible. The departure is then followed by a devastation. Because go back to Daniel 1.1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and did what to it? Besieged it. Anybody know what the word besiege means? It means basically take, take whatever they want, burn whatever they want, take all the people, kill whatever they want. I mean, they literally had their way 
with the city and, and everything that was in it. And the Bible says, look at these verses, 2 Chronicles 36, 6, against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and bound him in fetters to carry him to Babylon. You say, why'd that happen? Because he was, did everything that was evil in the sight of God. He did not stay with the truth. See, that's what happens when you walk away from God. You walk away from the truth. You find devastation comes. De Look what the Bible says, Second Chronicles 36, 6. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, bound him in fetters to carry him to Babylon. Daniel 5, and thou king, the most high God. Look at this. God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor and uh, and for the majesty that he gave him all people nations languages tremble and feared before him whom he would he slew and whom he would keep alive he into whom he would he would set up and to whom he would he would put down when we compromise the truth and look folks can i tell you we're going to become vulnerable and we are going to see devastation that is costly we can control our choices but what we cannot control is the consequences of our choices. You can't control what's going to happen from the choices you make. Look at the Bible says in Isaiah 1, verse 19. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that fear at the commandment shall be rewarded. Some people wonder why, why isn't God doing anything with the world today? Why is everything happening? Is God asleep? I mean, you, you think about everything that's going on in the world. Revelation, or excuse me, Romans chapter 1 reveals how there's, again, even in our day, not just in the days of of Daniel and, 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 and those beyond him, but there's a departure from God in our day. Look at Romans 121. Part of the verse says, because that when they knew God, they knew, they knew God. They used to sit in a church. They grew up in a Christian home. They were taught Bible doctrine. They knew God, but they, notice, they glorified him not as God. Well, that's who you think. I'm not against this generation coming up behind me, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of dangerous thinking because they have a totally con different concept, many of them do, about who God is. God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. He was the truth in the Old Testament. He's the truth in the New Testament. He'll be the truth forever. See, our nation was founded, I believe this all my heart, our nation was founded on Christian principles, on the truth. And when secular humanists started to infiltrate our universities and our schools, what happened is, is that America did exactly like the days of, of, of Jehoiakim and others. America decided that they were going to ignore God. They were going to ignore the truth. The Ten Commandments came down from the walls of schools. The, the, the courthouses... Prayer was eliminated from public meetings. We decided as a people, we didn't need to live by God's word because we've become enlightened. It's a big word for today. Be careful about that. We feel like we've got a better way of thinking, better than even God. And when all of this happens, devastation 
is sure to follow. I don't have time tonight, but boy, you ought to read the last part of Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Read about the devastation there in that chapter. With the departure and the devastation, notice thirdly tonight what comes, the desecration. Go back to Daniel there, notice verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Now look at these ver this verse. With, not only did he, be he was taken into bondage, and part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his, look at that little letter G, his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury house of his God. Now you can take, your, take some time in your own Bible study and go back and find out what these vessels were because when I read the word of God, here's what I, what I come to understand is these were vessels that were crafted to be used for the worship of the true God. They were to be used in the house of God, and now they were being taken to Babylon. Why? To be used in pagan worship. See the desecration there? Said Chronicles 36, 7, Nebuchadnezzar also carried of the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon to put them in a temple at Babylon. Can I tell you that, listen, it has always been the case and it will never change. God does not share his glory with anyone or anything. He says, I am the Lord. There is none else beside me. We are to serve and worship him. And, and Isaiah wrote it this way, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Today there are, if I can use the word, there are vessels that God has today that he would get the glory out of, but those vessels that God has given to us today are being desecrated. Say, what are those vessels? The very first institution that God established, the home. The home is being desecrated today. They are constantly trying to rewrite man's definition of marriage. And it's an abomination in the eyes of God. Not only is there the desecration of the vessel of the home, but the second institution that God created was the church. And the church is supposed to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. But so many churches today, the truth is never being shared. We wonder why people are so weak and anemic and still lost in their sin. Because they never hear the truth that will make them free. And that, that institution that God established, that Jesus came, he loved the church so much that he purchased it with his own blood, and yet the church is not upholding the truth today. And we find that the institution of the home is being desecrated, the institution of the church is being desecrated, and the other institution that God gave, which is government, is being desecrated. And we wonder why the world is in the shape that it's in today. Because the truth is not being lifted up. We are not honoring God. We are doing evil in the sight of God. So as the book of Daniel opens, and you see what is taking place under the reign of Jehoiakim, it's easy to see, wow, what a bleak picture. But can I tell you tonight, because we who have God's word and have read it, we know the rest of the story. And can I tell you that as bad as this world looks today, don't lose hope. 
you see so many Christians become naysayers. Modern day Eeyores. You know who Eeyore is? Winnie the Pooh. Oh boy, here we go again. You know, it's like, I, I don't even, even want to know anything about this next election. Impeachment inquiries? Folks, don't give your time to such frivolous things. Spend your time focusing on the truth. That can help. God is in control. He has always been in control. Even when the world looks like it's out of control, God is still in control. Because when you, when you think about Daniel, hey, listen, would you have thought that God was in control when they came and besieged the city and they carried away all of God's people? You would say, God must be on vacation. No, God was just going to use something that was very devastating to bring about a great champion of the truth. God wants to use you and I, but we have to decide that we're going to go with God. Because look, sometimes people may be through with God, but I can tell you this tonight, God's not through with us. So let me give you something good to practice, all right? Everybody watching me? All right? Here's God, and here I am. Here's the best thing you can do. And what's God going to do? Instead of doing this, because God's going to do that. If you don't want God to be through with you, then you need to stay right where God wants you to be, and that is in the light of the truth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the examples that you give us in the Word of God to help us to keep our lives in tune with the truth. Lord, I know that as these folks came tonight, I know many of them, it's Wednesday, they're tired. I know they've had a long day. I'm just so thankful that they came to your house tonight. I pray that Maybe something tonight might have encouraged them instead of discouraging them. And I pray that you would just fire us up, Lord, when it comes to this matter of we've been entrusted with the truth, that although we may feel like that uh, we're living in a Babylon, a pagan culture around us, the worshiping of idols, but God, you're still on the throne, and the truth is still the truth. And the truth still helps us to know God, that you still have a work to do. Help us to not be discouraged, but to be encouraged to live for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.